Welcome to Vickers Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a new guy on the block, Kurt Havens. I've seen you on uh, Todd's podcast and Paul's podcast, and I felt left out. So I wanted to get you on board here. And uh, let's talk about some pharmacology. Cool. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. Anytime. What do you want to talk first? Well, I, 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 let's do an introduction first because I'm okay. familiar with your work. But, you know, for the people who are not familiar with the, the Kurt, uh, please uh, let us know how you got started with pharmacology. And, and I mean, I believe you have a, or you're going for a PhD. And you have, yep. you know, some background in this. So. Yeah, I went to, I was pre-med uh, a long time ago, graduated college a long time ago. And I mm -hmm. then changed industries. Both my parents were in that industry and I switched industries to something entirely different. And I stayed in another industry for about 15 years. And then during COVID, I decided um, to get back into this. And I did my master's uh, in chemistry and then uh, right. MD, PhD is where I currently am in right. endocrinology. Um, yes, it's kind of been a long road. I've always done the fitness thing on the side mm. and I'm blessed now that I can coach full time while I'm going to school. All right. So you're completely self-sufficient self now. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Welcome to yeah. the team. I mean, there's, uh, we need more smart guys like you to, uh, you know, make sure that everybody stays on the path. And yeah, when, I picked, uh, when I picked um, to do endocrinology, I, I went on TRT at the age of 39, and it made uh -huh. such a difference in my health Yeah, uh, that I, and I was really disappointed with the information that was out there. And I felt mm -hmm. like with my background, it made more sense for me to pursue this and kind of bring to light some of the truth about a lot of these chemicals, you know, and between right, that and competing, right. you know, you were around this stuff all the time, but there's such garbage out there. You know, oh, yeah. you, you and, you know, and Leo and Derek, we're kind of the first ones to really dive into this stuff. Right. You no. Know? Yeah. At least publicly. I mean, when you go to professional muscle, these guys were talking about this just for decades already, but never in the public eye, like no. Dr. Scott Stevenson, for example, he's one of our like go-to smartest guys in the fitness industry, but you know, he's rarely, Besides Think Big Bodybuilding and, and some podcast collaborations, he's not as out there as guys like me and Derek. Yeah. And then, of course, now you and Paul and Todd, right? And everybody, and Chase, everybody's just becoming a little bit more um, aware of what's going on from a medical perspective, but also when it comes to the basic biology. Because, I mean, the bodybuilding space is so full of brawl lore. Oh, and some gosh. of it turned out to be true, but a lot of the stuff just, I don't know, such garbage. I mean, that even in anabolics, like we should maybe start there. Like uh, uh, James Lellon or uh, William yeah. Lellon anabolics books. I mean, when you look at the anabolic to androgenic ratio and and ratings of trimbolone acetate versus uh, nandrolone acetate, and then you try to research it, you're like, wait a minute, this is not correct at all. No, <laughs> it's um, you know? yeah. It. I mean, it was started in the fifties, you know, and you can't really a lot of that the science back then doesn't really translate into what we do now. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, so we all think that that trimbolone is five times more anabolic than testosterone, but even the anabolic to androgenic rating, it has not been established on testosterone versus trimbolone. It was trimbolone versus nandrolone. And when you try to find that Hirschberger bioassay, you can't even find it. No, it's not a lot of this stuff's not public access anymore. No, right. And but even then, on the, the Kokian book, right, that's like 300 yeah. pages where most of these Hirschberger bioassays have been cataloged based on animal studies. You also see that they don't use the anabolic to androgenic rating. They use the anabolic to androgenic dissociation. Yep. And this, so this, I think of the anabolic to androgenic rating is like an interpretation of, of Lellon uh, yeah, for this exactly. for his anabolics book. And we, I mean, it's, it's become bro lore and everybody agrees to this now. Like, okay, uh, 
the the anabolic and androgenic rating of mastrone is a little bit lower. The androgenic yeah. rating is a little bit lower, so thus it can't cause hair loss. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> The hair loss has nothing yeah. to do with the levator ani muscle, no, right, or the mean. ventral prostate. So, so, but this is this is how the interpretation kind of, you know, what, what is that that what we used to do in school, where you 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 whisper into somebody's ear, and then yep. by the time it comes back into the class, it's something entirely different. Totally different. Yeah, it's how many hats yeah. the monkey have or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Total, you know, it, it's total garbage. Yeah, and the problem is, it's not. Um, it, it not only does it not those muscles that are being compared. So, with, you know, rats killed, you know, and then right. um, it's taken apart and the muscles that they're using to, to generate these ratios aren't, aren't relevant necessarily to human skeletal muscle. Right. Right. So, I mean, on a, even on the most basic level, it doesn't really apply. Like tremblone, it doesn't build five times the amount of muscle as, you know, no. as testosterone. It doesn't. No. I mean, Not it has some overlap in the in the uh, glucocorticoid receptors and the cort and the corticosteroid receptors, um, and, and potentiate some right, uh, preventing catabolism yes. in a caloric but deficit. Yeah. But but that's of course an entirely different subject. It's a different, so I've been looking at that. Yeah, yeah. So so I remember you. I saw a podcast with you with Todd, and then you talked about mastrone as a selective estrogen receptor modulator and primobolin yeah. not entirely being an aromatized inhibitor, but maybe some of its metabolites. So maybe we can get started there. Sure. I remember, you know, but I, I think me and Derek, we kind of came to the conclusion a couple of years ago that boldenone could potentially lower serum estradiol levels and primobolin could lower estradiol levels. And everybody already knew that mastrone could lower it. But when you really start looking into it, it's not just boldenone or primobolin, it's metabolites as well. Yeah. Same with uh, uh, tamoxifen is the same way too. The drug yeah, itself have, is relatively useless. It's its metabolites that are doing the work. Yeah, you have three metabolites, right? You have yeah. uh, um, endoxifen, amimoxifen, and then norendoxifen. Um, and the first one two are has selective a very long half life too. Yeah, very long half life, right? And that's why the detection time is like forty five days, oh, yeah. which sucks. <laughs> yes, I totally. To, <laughs> I used to deal with that shit all the time, but not so much anymore. So the first two are like selective estrogen receptor modulators, and the third one is actually a very potent aromatized inhibitor. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's a pro drug, but the weird yes. the weird thing is it's not as good as a serum because Nolvidex doesn't seem to raise LH and FSH levels as much nope. as Clomiphene. Clomid does, which also has two stereoisomers. So this is why I always uh, I found it very interesting when you start talking about Todd. Finally, somebody who gets it. It's just not that one compound. It's a multitude of compounds that metabolize downstream. So, yeah, and, and when you look at any of these drugs, even Tremblone, you don't just look at the base chemical. You have to look at what it's metabolizing to, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what what is the story with Mastrone and its, its potential for selective so, estrogen receptor modulator? Kind of where we stand right now. We're still working on this. Where it looks like mm -hmm. so there's you have an alpha and a beta receptor for estrogen. And it looks like it's an agonist of the ERB receptor, which so estrogen receptor alpha is kind of the one that causes a lot of the issues. Right. And so by agonizing the beta receptor, it kind of blocks the effects of the alpha receptor. Ah. So that's, that's kind of where we are now. So it, it seems then because it's not in theory, it shouldn't be lowering serum estradiol. It should just be blocking the receptor right. by doing that. Um, so in theory, if you were to use it concurrently with like growth hormone, masterone would make more sense than preambulum. Ah, okay. Because you, you don't theory. miss out on this potential yeah. for IGF-1 secretion downstream in the, in the yeah. liver. Right. And again, that's still debatable. I'm working on a project too with, um, 
estrogen as well and growth hormone. And it's the, mm -hmm. the effects in humans are not quite the same as cattle. And I think that's where a lot of the data goes wrong is that we compare yeah. what goes on in these cows with estrogen to humans and they have a totally different effect with estrogen, but that's, we could do another video entirely on that. Um, and it looks like preambulon. So there were seven new metabolites just discovered a couple months ago of preambulon, right. which is my, I, I, I found the paper of, of, um, metanolone acetate. Yes. That's that it, it has about five. Oh, that's the one, right? So it's like five, five to seven metabolites that are around. And then I looked through the metabolites and I'm like, oh, okay, five androstenedione. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yep. And the other and so one also yeah. has some sort of aromatized inhibiting effect. Yes. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there were six known, right? From 1962 to current times, there were six known metabolites and they just discovered seven more. Seven more. Oh, wow. So there's one, there's what, thir it's 13. 13 now metabolites of prune bomb. And the, the first, the first five of those new seven ones are relatively benign in what they do. Right. Um, it's the last two that are kind of cool. So the last one blocks TNF alpha, which is okay. an inflammatory response. So where I think the research is headed is they want to use either that metabolite or primobolin as a possible replacement for cortisone, right? So instead okay. of injecting it into someone who has a you know chronic inflammation and and long-term destroying the tissue, perhaps we can actually build the tissue at the same time as blocking the inflammation. All right. Um, but well, but where, where so, so if, if you go deep enough, like we have a lot of scientific evidence that shows that vitamin C and, and some of these other inflammatories might blunt the post-exercise stress response. Yeah. Now, if yeah. you're on steroids, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I've been megadosing vitamin C for all its benefits for yeah. years now, and I've still well. got big. But you would, might think then that if you megadose the prima bolin, that you're also missing out on some of this anabolic signaling that happens post-workout. You could be. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of potential there. So that's kind of where that left off. So they used, so people can understand they use acetate because it metabolizes easier and they use mm -hmm. basically fungus to metabolize it. It, it mimics what goes on inside the human body. Uh-huh. Hydroxylase. So it was just a faster yeah. way to get this process rolling where, versus like mm -hmm. put it through an animal and see where it goes. Um, right. And the cool thing is the, the six, one out of seven new metabolites produces an AI called Atomistane. And Atomistane, A T A M E S T A N E. And um, that actually seems to be a suicide AI as well. I can send you, I'll send you the data on this. It's pretty cool. That's stuff. fucking so, crazy. Um, no, no that's, quantity I, present, I don't know. Right. So what, what I always figured is, of course, Prima Bolin, Mastrone, their DHT derivatives, and DHT has been shown to reduce the conversion of testosterone into estradiol. And then maybe due to the chemical structure, the Mastrone and the Prima Bolin has a higher affinity or, or capability to enter the aromatized enzyme and just selectively block this conversion process. But it, it appears that some of its metabolites are also doing the same thing, which yeah. was also yeah. determined with boldenone. Like boldenone itself uh, metabolizes into esterone in some individuals. Yeah. And then this esterone can then in um, peripheral tissue convert into estradiol. Yes. But because it also has some metabolites, um, I think ADD, ADD. Yep. yeah, arimistane, right? That's the one yep. that you actually use as a, a selective uh, Correct. or suicide aromatized inhibitor. And then one or two more, boldeone something like that. And those are actually also quite potent aromatized inhibitors. Um, so it, it's so funny that everybody, of course, has a different genetic makeup and how they it's express the all this. Effect. Right, so we all get a different effect. That's why sometimes you see people not get reduced estradiol levels 
Um, and then they're wondering, like, is my mastodon real? Is my boldenone real? Is my primo real? Yeah, it's, it's just genetic, a different yeah. metabolism. Polymorphic, yeah. Yeah, we're that all is, totally that, different. That is, that is very, so they're investigating this now to see if it has any practical applications in medical yep. or, or just like preliminary what they're trying to look at to see if it can be synthesized in some sort of way? I My understanding is for medical use. Yeah, for medical use. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I saw that recently they had some sort of pregnenolone metabolite, zuronolone, zuronolone, and it was a very potent GABA-A1 uh, receptor agonist, and they want to use this as a sleep aid. And it just metabolizes normally like all um, non-steroidal um, neurosteroid hormones, so it has a benign effect, but in its time that it's in its active metabolite, zuronolone, if I pronounced it correctly, yeah. um, then it can actually be a very potent sleep aid by activating the GABA-A1 receptor. So it's, it's, it's very fascinating that I think all the steroids have already been investigated and the ones that are um, were not useful, they've been abandoned and then made a resurgent like Trestolone, DHB, yeah. right? And then the rest were like YK11 and all these bullshit SARMs. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were like left on the floor in the factory and someone picked them up. <laughs> yeah, the SARMs so, are, and, most, most SARMs are pretty much junk. Yeah, in my opinion, also, and, and they, they, might have some, they might have some efficacious applications in the milligram dosages for for particular medical secondants, but I don't think any of them have been approved for medical use. There's no, still pretty much clinical trial. It's all abandoned, right? Yeah, like YK11 has only been used in rats. There's no human data on it. Yeah, and then supposedly it blocks myostatin, and you can get freaky gains, but none, yeah. none of the bodybuilders yeah. are using it. No, and I don't know if the myostatin thing is even the right pathway to go down at this point, right? We're not even no. really sure if that's in utero, but not as an adult. Right. So what would you say, like, if you wanted to interpret the scientific evidence, of course, you know, human data would be the most suitable. And then maybe after that, animal studies. And then we have, of course, some niche in vitro in vivo stuff. Yeah. But I feel that, like, really tangible evidence that we can use is, is very limited, honestly. <laughs> Yeah. And I think they're going to start using the genome more and more to just look at the genes, right? Instead of animals. I mm. think the rat studies are probably going to go away eventually because they're really, they're really pretty relevant to what goes I on. Hope in the so. world, right. I, I hope so because this is the problem in the fitness industry. Everybody starts regurgitating animal models. Like I did, I did a, a two hour video on Boldenone regarding its kidney toxicity. And I really digged into it, right? Because everybody was scared that Boldenone can cause all kinds of kidney issues. And then you see that most of these studies have just been poorly performed. And there was only one or two studies in human models to show where they didn't factor in so many cofactors related to um, kidney health, uh, most notably blood pressure. <laughs> they totally overlooked that or the carrier oil, right? Yeah. Um, so all these little things, it, it's very hard to piece it together. And I, I know that a lot of people are very firm about their data, but a lot of the data is just... It's not as flawed. Do, it's very flawed. You can't yeah. do much with it, you know? No. And I don't know if you knew, but when, going back to boldenone. So boldenone is, is an intermediate in animals, in mm. uh, cattle and sheep, between testosterone and estrogen, similar to the way nandrolone is in humans. Oh, really? So there was a study done recently. So uh, uh -huh. boldenone is being explored as a, a like a, a food additive to cattle, similar to trembolone, right? They uh -huh. were looking at other things they could use. And... Okay. They gave, there were two groups. There was one that got the boldenone and one that didn't. And the one that, mm. th when they tested them both at the end for boldenone, mm. they both, both groups, boldenone was detected in. And they, wait a second, oh. what is this? And they were like, wow, 
so again, th- we don't know where all these things right. you know come from. I, I, I think I read that there's some Chinese studies as well where they were just looking at the health of or looking for metabolites in this general population, and they were full with boldenone metabolites. Like, in in humans, possible? yeah. I wonder if it's from what they were eating. Yeah, isn't that weird? That even yeah. does it trace amount from the meat that you're eating that you can get contamination through through blood work analysis. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah, I mean, I know nandrolone. A lot of people don't realize it. Nandrolone technically is a bioidentical a bioidentical yeah. hormone, just in such a minuscule amount. But you know, mm-hmm. it shows up in pregnant women and stuff in blood yeah. work. I, I tried to look for a reference range on nandrolone, but I wasn't able to find it. Unfortunately, it's like one and it's like one fiftieth of testosterone. It's oh, really? very, very small. Oh. I can, I can send you stuff on that if you want. It's, it's, it's very obscure though. Yeah, please. Yeah, I would like to, because I have the reference ranges of all hormones. And of course, nandrolone is a bioidentical hormone, albeit in trace amounts. Yeah. But I just wanted to see what the difference is because like when you do help people with the drug test, for example, there's a cutoff. Yep. Right? There's a cutoff for these metabolites. So of course, when you take exogenous nandrolone, it's produced <laughs> differently. So you might have to bypass the the ra- carbon radioisotope. Yeah, so it's always the carbon thing that gets you, right? People yeah. don't, they miss that like the, ex- the exogenous hormones have different carbon 13 versus carbon 12 versus what's produced. Right. Exactly, yeah. So they, that's, they, they how they snag, that. that's how they snag all the athletes because you can't really lie yeah. about that one. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. No, and there's really no way around that one if they're gonna actually go that far into testing. Yeah. Oh, you can produce more endogenously. Um, but you have to do some of the secretagogues and then kind of bypass well, it that true. way. You could and do those it, have yeah. a pretty short detection time also. And you can speed up the yeah. clearance even faster. Yeah. Uh, good good times. <laughs> the, um, if you go back to um, something that could be interesting with Primo versus Mastron as well is it might mm-hmm. be an interesting way to test to see if Primo bond is real, right? So if in theory, right. Primo bond should reduce your serum estradiol Right, as you've probably seen in your own blood work, right? You don't need an right. AI to run premium. If you mm-hmm. were it like one to one with test, it should reduce your estradiol versus Mastron doesn't really reduce it in serum, but yet you won't get estrogenic sides. Yeah. So the weird thing is that Mastron also reduces it in my serum. Did you see you saw that? Okay. Yeah. And I have legit Mastron. I mean, I, the connections that I have are good. So that's okay. been tested that's through Yanushik. Yeah. And it was and it was just testosterone and Mastron used? Yeah, just testosterone and Mastron. Yeah. What was the how much was it reduced by? I mean, we just kept it in range. So total of the reference range, you run like 750 tests, a thousand tests, and then the same amount of Mastrone on top, and you're in the reference range, like 50, wow. well, not the reference range, but your normal levels. And I've, I've seen this over and over again on blood work of athletes. But then again, of course, there's so many cofactors of aromatized inhibition. I mean, the yeah. list of potential aromatized inhibitors is like 50 different compounds. Yeah. So people don't realize, you know, zinc. Um, yeah, dietary um, factors. Dietary fats. I mean, there's so many. So we eat reasonably healthy. Um, so I, I can interchange Mastron for Primo, right? Both high quality, pure, okay. accurately yep. dosed. And my estrogen will be exactly the same. But if I take it out within six weeks, my estrogen will be gyno territory. Okay. And then, weirdly enough, with, with Boldenone, I don't get so much reduction. I do get a reduction, but not so much. Was your estrone go up? I, I, I think the last time I tested Boldenone was or took bold and it was like seven years ago. So I don't think I have okay. blood work on. Yeah. I, I, after doing some research and training bold and on, you realize that these compounds are just yeah. not really, you know, after Primo, you don't need much of a, you know, anabolic incentive besides agree, testosterone. Yeah. yeah I, I don't react well to bold It crushes my estrogen. Yeah. And it, did your esterone go up in, in the context it of did. I, 
It did, yeah, versus where it should be. But not it wasn't yeah. like sky high, but it crushed my E2. Yeah, so in, in humans, basically, if you take exogenous boldenone, it converts into esterone, and then in some individuals, it can convert into estradiol. But in, in cattle studies or animal models, you say that boldenone is an intermediate and, and will raise estradiol. Yeah, so normally, right, normally the production would go to, to a diol metabolite, right? But right. Mm -hmm. it seems to go to a dione. So it's almost going backwards, and that's how it would become estrone. It's going to dione, androstene dione first, and then to estrone. Now I want to see blood work of all those race horses and race camels. Yeah, I know. They, they're cool, they're right? pretty heavy on the boldenone. I've helped some people yeah. in Dubai and uh, in Switzerland for, for protocols for horses because I made videos about boldenone and then I got calls that's like, hey, you want to do a <laughs> consultation about boldenone. And it's actually quite interesting what they do, but they combined it with anti-inflammatory drugs, uh, prednisone, and just to make the horses race faster and the camels race faster. And I really wonder what their blood work would look like, but they typically don't do blood work. For these yeah. Or they're not going to share it. Yeah. What, um, no. what kind of doses would be used in a horse? Not much, like 150 milligrams okay. every three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. They just respond more robustly yeah. than we do. Right. That's and it seems that they don't get, it seems that they don't get HPTA downregulation either, but of course they load them up with all these weird Others, other compounds, yeah. you know, yeah, like, like injectable GW1516 has been available for the cattle for years and then suddenly humans you know it became popular for humans probably due to tony huge she's like oh the oral bioavailability is low let's put it in solution but it has been available for cattle or for for horses and camels for a very long time already if you go to the horse and camel supply uh, shops you can find all kinds of weird injectables oh that's that cool and races yeah very uh, cool i would like um, a horse like that <laughs> run through the street <laughs> cool what else you want to talk about so so with the this masterone right so it acts mm -hmm. as a selective estrogen receptor modulator and even though it, it might block the estrogen beta receptor does it also mean that it could potentially like we know that it's anti-prolific in breast yes. cancer yep. right but does that also mean that it could potentially be anti-prolific in in skeletal muscle because again through the through the blow bro lore, a lot of people start getting flatter this could be the rin and angiotensin aldosterone system modulation yeah estrogen. Uh, yep. i noticed I also notice with a lot of guys that once they megadose the masterone, let's say over 500, 700, 1,000 milligrams a week, that it seems to inhibit further muscle growth. And in, in other individuals, it doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it could be a ton of different things, right? Masterone causes some loss of you know, minerals and electrolytes and things as well that could, right. I mean, any of these things, loss of any fluid inside the muscle is going to cause it to not be anabolic. Right. Right. I right. mean, I, that's the thing is we don't, and I know you're aware of this, they, they never really looked at Mastron in men or in athletes, but it was only really used for women with cancer. So, women. so a lot of yeah. the data is missing. No, even for if you sure. Search, you know, for that's sure. the for problem sure. is they literally left this stuff on the table in the 70s and never went back. If you type in Mastron on PubMed, you get 20 studies, 25? Yeah, at most. And most are blocked. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can always find them on Science Hub and, and you know, yeah. if you know some people yeah. who go I have through a lot the peer review yeah. process. Like a friend of mine, he was still going for his PhD in nutrition, so he had access to all the peer review um, yep. uh, studies that were being published. And he also told me that hundreds of studies get retracted every Yo, year. All the time, yeah. When <laughs> they a lot get of published and then six months later, like, wait a minute, this is shit. And they retract totally. it. But usually people already make their conclusions based on studies that are being retracted afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Well, because how many people really stay on top of that stuff? 
right? You, you see it's it written tough. down and you just assume it's true and you move on from it. Um, and, yeah. and a lot of things don't, I don't know, a lot of things don't get published either, right? Depends on who owns the rights to it. I've done stuff yeah. with, with pharmaceutical companies that we work with some of these chemicals and they will never be published. They're proprietary. The rights right, are owned internal, by these companies. Right? They're not going to publish these, you know, the same with trying to find, trying to find stuff on, you know, Parabolin, you know, mm-hmm. from Megma. That stuff's not around. No. You know, they didn't. No, and it discontinued it. I think the data is already lost to the, to the, you know, the, the shredder, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I wouldn't know where to, where to find it. I mean, you know, you have to go to friends and basically knock on the door and say, hey, guys, going to go through your archives. And then even then, if you can get it, I mean, how old is this data? How relevant? Yeah, it's not relevant. And if you saw some of the studies, what they considered ethical back then would not be considered, <laughs> you know, like yeah. with, they were using it on women and pregnant yeah. women and all sorts of stuff that you would never consider nowadays. No, right? you would they never do it. So it's, they're doing yeah, with Nandrolone le- as well. Yeah, Nandrolone as well. Yeah, it's, it's some legit, uh, what was his name? Um, the old steroid guru, like one of the first ones. Who, Duquesne? Yeah, it's like that, that, that kind of level of insanity when it comes to women, because he would do all kinds of weird practices on women as well back in the day, and, uh, and they would just let him. Uh, but it's, it's when you think about it. Yeah, not yeah, would not happen today. No, it would not happen. So, the, what I find is funny that, of course, we're all online trying to still piece it together, but it's it seems that it's it's. I don't think it's going to happen. I I don't think that we're going to come to this grand solution and grand understanding of anabolic androgenic steroids simply because there's no interest from the medical community to really do the studies that we would like to have in the fitness community. Like I would like to see how premobolin affects the brain, for example. Right? I get great results. They most likely won't ever look. They won't look at it. No. Right. Or, so, or if it's been studied and they they retract the data, like you said. You know, it'll say right. data not available. Right. So the weird thing is, like with boldenone, you can find a lot of kidney toxicity issues. But when you start looking for the same data on premobolin or other anabolic energetic steroids, it's not there. Nope. So you you would think. Oh wait a minute! That means primavolin is safe. Well, let's just make it those primavolin instead of boldenone. But it, it's it's we don't the know. absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence, no, no, and no one knows for sure. And that's the thing is we don't like you said. There's not a ton of research, so like I'll I'll have to spend time all over the place because no one company's doing anything with any of these drugs, right? No. Like, well, Bayer Barrier still have as primavolin uh, FDA approved, but I don't think they're doing any additional research. They just have limited. Research for for how primavolin is used. I, I remember I translated the insert from Turkish to English. Yep. I had two guys that helped me with that, and then you see the medical application is actually quite limited. But it's the same with the medical insert for uh, parabolin, which was in French, also had it yep. translated, and the dosing protocol is exactly the same. It's it's seventy five milligrams every fifteen days for three months or for for three injections, and then once a month for another three injections. Done. Yeah, That's it. That, you took that for parabolin, right? It was front loaded. Yeah. Then it, it, but it equated basically to 50 milligrams every 10 days, right? If you remove yeah, the ester- every 15 days, yeah, 50 milligrams which, net trembolone, yeah, yep. Which is interesting because the bodybuilding community, at least in the United States, the mm. uh, outside of more hardcore circles, perhaps everyone's doing 35 milligrams of trembolone now, right? Which every week, which equates the same as the parabolic dosing, right? 35 milligrams yeah. every seven is about 50 every 10. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Which yeah. now we've aligned back with what Negman was doing with the original stuff. Finally. <laughs> so they were pretty much on to something back then instead of the days of doing 100 milligrams a day. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I recently made a video about how to, um, what all the medical dosages were, right? I, I figured it out for all the things that at one point in time were FDA approved, and including for animals, for boldenone, for example. And then you can actually might make pretty hefty steroid cycles with the medical dosages, especially with anadrol, that's like 500 yeah. milligrams per yeah. day, if you're yeah. 100 kilos. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, by weight, yeah. Yeah, by weight. Yeah, that's, so that's the weird thing. Like some of them are dosed very, very low, and some of them are dosed incredibly very high. high, right? Like Winstrol is dosed very low, right? Yeah. Because they'll use for angioedema, but you know, other ones, Nandrolone, the medical dosing is not far off from what you and I would use. No, no, that's right? about 200 milligrams puts a week. Me yeah. at 400, you know, for, for a 200 pound man, it puts you at about 400 milligrams. Right. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is and pretty it, much what most guys would use. Right. Right. Yeah. I would, I would prefer a little bit lower because the water retention and the cost. Oh medic, yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that that's what, that's how they dosed it. Yeah, so it's it's funny to see that you know back in the day on the steroid forums, the people would ramp up the dose of trimbolone to a thousand milligrams, and saying that that's the only way to do it. Um, were you were you on the GH fifteen forum back in the I day? I wasn't. No, I oh, thank I God. Wish I were. No, but I hear stories about that. Oh, it was crazy. And probably from I was you, there the yeah. first year, and then afterward it turned into a clusterfuck. Um, but I mean, a lot of you know, like Ty and Clark, for example, he was also there. And he was probably the only one besides me and a couple other people talking about blood work. <laughs> everybody else was, yeah. So you had like sub forms, right? You had like the first form where everybody talked about drugs and trying to one up each other. Like I take 700 train. Oh, I take a thousand. Oh, I take 1400 milligrams. I take 2100 per week. Crazy shit like that. And then I think Ty and Clark started to make a thread somewhere about how to interpret blood work about albumin and globulin. Yep. And then they started interacting. And so there was only a very niche amount of people actually interested in the scientific evidence or, or how it would actually affect your blood work. Yeah. I, th I, th I think a lot of people got kidney problems. From I'm sure they work. did. If you take a gram. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did I, it for four weeks. I, I, I did as well. My, my, my legs blew up, they swelled up. Oh, right. yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Inflammatory prostaglandins. Oh, man. Oof. Yeah, not good. I couldn't breathe. Oh, I yeah. Breathe. No, I couldn't breathe. I mean, you just, everything is so swollen. So in internal organs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you just feel constricted. Then you just walk around with your ventilin inhaler. Just, yeah. you know, puffing kind of up the storm. Keeping up the, uh, you know, and then you're right. Why am I getting so lean? Oh, yeah, it's all the body recomposition effect. <laughs> I saw, I saw one of the 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 bro lores on uh, that you discussed with Paul Barnett about Trimbalon during the off season. That it's probably yeah. not a good idea. Well, no, what is that about? Well, just I, I mean, it can be used. I think in a small dose if someone really is stuck at like a sticking point. But I just don't mm -hmm. think it's a safe, right? I mean, there's a time and place to use it. I would use it pre-contact right. for maybe six weeks, maybe eight weeks, depending. I just right. think the guys. The younger guys now on TikTok all want to use it all year round, yeah. right? It's an excuse to not eat well, right? Because you can. It is. I mean, you can do everything here. wrong, and you and you still get results. That's why yeah. Trimbalone is so popular. And and you you have the thirty day trend challenge now, yeah. where kids just take trend and they and they recomp, and they look better. You know, they look better than before. Yeah, um, yeah it's so weird, dude. It's so yeah, weird that people have, have gone this far. But I, then again, I did my fair share of stupid experiments. No, we all did. Day we also. all did. Yeah. So what, what is the craziest thing that you've done when you look back now and you're like, oh, man. With steroids? Was, I think. Yeah, with steroids. I mean, any of I just, I feel like any of those things, Anadrol, 100 milligrams a day, why would you do that to yourself? Uh -huh. I mean, falling asleep, yeah. sitting up, you feel so toxic, <laughs> so horrible. <laughs> I mean, my wife would be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Or, 
or Mint. I don't know if you've ever used Mint. Yeah, but I've never Mint. used it, but it, yeah. it's, I used it three times. It's you, you, you're. It's like it's like Dianabol. Your weight shoots up really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, but it's just fluid. You know, it is. You, it's the same as D. Like I literally, lo- you lose all the weight. I didn't keep any of it after. Oh, really? How much? I mean, how much I went, did you run? I'm sure. I'm, what's that? How much? How much Mint did you run? I don't remember the doses. Um, I want to say a half a cc a day daily. Okay, so that's what twenty five milligrams. So I think it's the dose something like that. Yeah, uh, but it was, acetate, it's like fifty milligrams per mil, something like that. Yeah, um, and I went. I mean, I'm short. I'm five seven. I'm two fifteen ish now, but I think it was two hundred at the time, and I went from two hundred to two thirty six in six weeks. Right. Okay. And I was like a water buffalo. Yeah, <laughs> I was wheezing and snoring. I'm sure. Yeah. Not a great look. No, I just, but like dumb stuff like that. Like there's, no, I just don't think that any of the big pros are using those exotic things, right? I think everyone well, uses. I, no, I have talked to some guys who were doing like a gram of mint. Whoa! And getting and getting to the Olympia stage. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. See, I would just. Yeah, could, my understanding. Speak a word of English, but. <laughs> I mean, my understanding now is most of the guys are doing, you know, a gram, you know, 1500 test and an anabolic and then growth and some insulin. It's actually pretty basic, you know, from all the guys that I've had consultations with, um, just to run some ideas past me from, you know, and then ask, what was your protocol? And most of the time it's pretty basic. I mean, me, Derek and Leah, we analyzed one of the IVBs pros of blood work and we got their cycle. And the only thing that was weird was like 50 milligrams of anadrol per day. Um, for 16 weeks, but the total cycle dose was like 2,500 milligrams. No, not that big, you know, for someone that size. No, no, that's and that's big, big IV pro level, you know. And I've I've seen the cycles. I think these guys just respond better, you know. Maybe their GAC repeaters of the androgen receptor are just super favorable, right, in that medium medium range, yeah, where they get a very high androgen receptor binding, and then and then of course they live like hermits. You know, these guys, yeah. they don't miss meals and injections. No. and Like Dorian Yates talked about, right? He was like, he basically lived like a monk. He didn't leave his house yeah. for eight years. No, I know. And then, do you see these guys travel? No. No. And and like no. you said, and then genetic factor is the biggest thing too, right? People don't want to grasp that, right? You talk about basketball or football. People seem to get that there's a genetic component there. But you talk about bodybuilding. People are like, oh, no, it's just, I'm just not using the right amount of drugs. I'm not eating enough yeah. food. I'm not. Unfortunately, it's a genetic thing. It makes it so frustrating, I guess, for the people who want to exceed and get a little bit more size. They 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 want to grow, and then you have a big guy saying that he doesn't use so much. Of course, a big guy usually has a lot more experience. Yep. Um. And 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 already went through the motions of taking you know seven hundred train or a gram of mint or whatever, and right. realized that it wasn't worth it. So they're like, okay, take you know the seven fifty test and 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 you know maybe some boldenone in the conning phase and nandrolone in the off season phase, and that's it. And people are like, no, no. Fucking liar! <laughs> no, we're not. But an outside of genetic response. If asking one of those guys what they do now is not necessarily what they did to get there. I think that's yeah. kind of what we're going to. True. Like it would be the same as you or I in the gym. If someone, a, a, a new person, comes up to you and they said, "Hey, Steve, what's your what's your split? How do you work out?" It's yeah. irrelevant to a new person what you do now. Is that how you got that big? Probably not. No. Right. No, I mean, but I was. I think when I was my biggest at 260 pounds, I was on test GH insulin, some IGF-1. And when I say test, it's like two and a half grams of test. Yeah. <laughs> and when I say GH, it's like eight units of GH. <laughs> and insulin's like 35 IUs of Lantus yeah. and then, you know, some, some Umalog on top. And uh, of course, now I'm way lighter. I'm like 95 kilos. So it's barely 200 pounds. 
but I came off everything. And and people still say that I look like a bodybuilder, but it's just 25 years in the gym. Yeah. You know? Well, that's so, so, the same with, like Chris Bumstead, I think, one of my clients today was asking me about Chris Bumstead's diet. I guess he said he eats 2,400 calories a day. Yeah. Was like, There's no way. Well, that's what he eats now. He doesn't need to get any bigger. That's not what he ate to get there. No, and he has to get peeled. I mean, when you yeah. work with honey, you uh, you suffer. <laughs> that's that simple. He'll yeah. suffer the fat off. He won't let you use so much drugs. You know, honey's pretty conservative from what I understand. Yeah. So it just makes you suffer, suffer that stuff off. So you're, you're working, for, you used to work for some pharmaceutical companies, right? No, uh, I, no? so through school, they expect us to mm -hmm. do, we're supposed to be working in labs. The problem is with my specific uh, major, there are no labs. I live in a state where there are actually tons of pharmaceutical companies, but there are no, there's no one lab that's really doing anything with analog steroids specifically. Uh, so there's bits right. and projects. So it'll be like a, a project here and then a project there, that kind right. of stuff. Whereas most of my peers are focusing on diabetes and right. obesity and those sorts of things. And they, they'll just work, they'll spend. So the program is a seven year program. Typically mm -hmm. it's regular medical school first, which is abridged. I don't need to do the residency and all that stuff. And then you're supposed to be doing research it takes five or so right. years of research. These people will be employed for five years at one lab working on a project. Oh, wow. Right. That's so where there are no, there's no one lab here that's focusing on Prima Bomb for five years. No, no. I no. mean, the and market, like, the market it, there, there's no interest for that. I mean, diabetes and obesity and, and, and cancer and that kind of stuff. I mean, that affects millions of people, if not billions of people. And it's growing. Point. Yeah. It's, no yeah. pun intended. Yeah. But I, I yeah. mean, the, the, the steroid community that uses more than just medically prescribed TRT. I think the medically prescribed TRT crowd is maybe two, three million people. And then another one or two million of recreational drug users on top, maybe more. But that pales in comparison with the amount yeah. of people out there that have diabetes. Oh, absolutely. Especially in America. I mean, did you see the, the stock of Novo Nordisk over yeah. the last two years? Semaglutide, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I bought in early. <laughs> yeah, all those companies. Yeah. There's a lot of money to be made there. And yeah. they're, at least in the U.S., they're really cracking down. I don't know if you saw they outlawed. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff, I saw with Rick Collins. Rick Collins sent me that link of the FDA, and I'm like, oh my god, motherfuckers! Yeah. And it's that what that's just because semaglutide is being copied, right? Yep. With the vitamin yep. B12 or whatever, exactly. you know, to bypass the patent, and 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 so they're like, oh, we don't want to be known for uh, being the you know the lobbyists that like Ellie Lilly and and No yeah. is whispering. Yeah. In their ears, like oh, you got to ban this stuff because we're losing out on money. So okay, we'll ban all of it. I mean, it's yep. the Biden administration; they already banned HCG. Yep. Well, you should ban everything else. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's that's interesting that you knew that. So that's what's happening now medically here is the TRT clinics can't get HCG, right? If they can even find it, it's very expensive. It's gone up yeah. tenfold in price, and so now $200 it's hundred dollars per vial. Yeah, what's well, forced doctors now to buy it off the black market? So now yeah. they're using the stuff that's made in in Thailand. And you know, mm. but so no, it's, they don't produce it here. No, they they produce it in Turkey. Otherwise, oh, Turkey. I would have had yeah. access I just to like it. It's yeah. not produced here domestically. <laughs> I wish it was available here. I have yeah. to import my uh, Merck Ovitrol from Turkey also. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, it, but that's all it's doing. It's just forcing the black market to get bigger. Yeah. So so people are always worried, like, oh, they're going to remove the peptides and they're going to remove the HCG. But it just means you have to get a little bit more resourceful and, and yep. spend a little bit extra money. And if they confiscate your package, you know, all the more reason to stop to paying taxes there and just go live somewhere else. That's, <laughs> exactly. easier said than, that's easier said than done. I mean, I was able to escape from that bullshit. I, I was like, OK, fuck this. I'm just going to go somewhere else. 
but it's uh, yeah, of course, if you're settled with kids in a house, and, and then it's easier said than done. But it's yeah, that's basically the ultimate fuck you. you know, yeah, you and they'll like probably it, come after testosterone next. Yeah, no, they, they don't. I wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, of course, what is it? What is this this, this asshole's name? Um, uh, that doctor that's trying to block a nicotinamide mononucleotide, which is endogenously produced for NAD plus. Uh, anti-aging guy. I'm sure yeah, we're which... going well in, in the comment section. What is his name? Uh, Sinclair. David Sinclair. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's just shit. He, he just published his own nicotinamide mononucleotide study. Nobody could find it. But then Physionic is another YouTube channel. He really goes into the scientific evidence. Physionic is a good guy. Okay. Very, very smart guy. Very good researcher. He was able to find the nicotinamide mononucleotide study from uh, David Sinclair. And he's like, this is a bunch of horseshit. <laughs> Why? Why are you trying? Why? Why are you trying to? You know, make sure that it's become a drug. But he, he's probably just getting lobbied by some big pharma companies. Yep. Yeah. It's no, it's shame, crazy though. what goes on. I know. They don't want. Yeah. They, the last thing they want you to be healthy. Yeah. No, they want you to be sick. Yeah. They want yeah, you to have diabetes. No money. That, that, yeah. it, it, that seems how it's set up now. You know. I mean, the food, the food pyramid is basically there to make give you diabetes and give you make you obese and then. The medical system is there, not uh, preventative, but reactive. No, no. and they in um, in medical school on the in the third mm -hmm. year when you specialize, when you pick kind of, you're exposed to all of the the base the, the general areas of medicine, and you have mm -hmm. to take classes on each one. The one that's left out is endocrinology. Oh, which is interesting. So at least in the U.S., so if you go to a doctor in the United States, unless they mm -hmm. are an endocrinologist, most of them have never been taught any of that. So. That it, it makes sense that they don't understand these things. So you can't ask a regular right. doctor about testosterone. They just think it's an evil thing. They don't understand it at all. They never took a class in it. No, and endocrinology means hormones produced from one gland to the other, yeah. right? It's, it's a secretagogue. Yeah. So basically from the pituitary or the pancreas to other organs. So most endocrinology has insulin and diabetes. Yep. That's like 95% of it. And the other 5% there may be other particular practices. I mean, the TRT space is tiny yep. for now. And it's weird because in America and the rest of the world, TRT is getting more and more and more and more popular. I mean, the amount of people that I see on TRT now, either self-prescribed or through a clinic like Merrick Health or, or some yep. of the other ones. I mean, it's 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 astounding how many guys are pulling the plug on this, you know? And I, I think overall it's a benefit, but for how long? That remains to be seen. Yeah. How long can you get away with it? I don't know. Right? And it, uh, most of the TRT clinics, at least in the US, they're not... Doctors that are necessarily certified in doing that, they're they have a certification like a wellness thing or right. their GP that's writing for it, and they'll get that stuff yanked. Right. Yeah. And, no, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Are you are you familiar with the YouTube channel called Man Medicine? No. No. Okay. So it's a very another small YouTube channel where it's just a, <laughs> I think he's an endocrinologist and he has a hormone clinic. He's he's certified in three states. And he makes very good, interesting videos about topics related to TRT and then optimizing male health. But he's just one of those, you know, solo warriors that uh, is also pushing against the grain a little bit with his content. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think honestly, you know, if you want to do something along this field, you're just going to have to do it yourself at one point. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Or at least yeah. be Did educated you, about yourself. All right. Do you come across anything new and groundbreaking in your, in your field when you're doing research for school and then thinking like, uh, 
watch out on this because in five years or 10 years, it's going to be the next big thing, like the, the prima volume metabolite that could be a, an aromatized inhibitor or- That, that or stuff seems to be the most fascinating. There's not a lot of new, most of the new molecules, thing, we make things all the time, but they just get shelved. It's, it's similar to oh, what yeah. was going on in the 50s and 60s. Right. We have computers that spit up molecules all the time and they don't go, either they're too toxic to ever use or mm. there's no use for them right now. And then getting right. it, getting something then approved for a study is another thing. But this is all through simulation, right? So they, they simulate the molecule and then yep. they simulate potential uh, receptor binding and, and, and metabolism yep. and that kind of stuff. And then they figure out like, oh, this is worth it or not worth it. Yeah. So we, um, like you can scan, for instance, I could scan uh, Anavar and Trembolone together, mm -hmm. and then it'll give me anything that's related to the two of them combined. Oh. And then then a human has to actually look at the molecule to tell if it's toxic or not. The computer can't really tell, mm -hmm. you know, based on the structure, if it's going to be toxic or not. So then a human still needs to be there to, to do the initial. Right. The analysis. Check on it. Yep. And then so, so it doesn't go through particular, you know, cytochromes to see where the metabolism ends up and where it potentially inhibits an, uh, a receptor or binds it, it to a receptor. Can, but some of the things that the robot, it, it's like AI. It, it's only good mm -hmm. for so many things. It's not, how long is it going to take, though? I don't know. We will see. I have no idea. Like, I feel right now, like, we're all trying to piece it together, right, with the limited information that we have. And we're, like, like right on, the, I feel that we're always, on like, close to a breakthrough, but it's just not coming. <laughs> no. Because we, so, we have so many educators in the space, right, trying to, you know, with their own personal experience and, and, you know, interpreting the scientific evidence. And then guys like you are actually you know, part of that, um, you know, process where, where new things get investigated and whether they pass or not, that remains to be seen. Who knows? Yeah. I always feel like we're, we're close to a breakthrough that simply isn't coming, which makes me a little bit frustrated. I know. Um, cause I would, I would like to know the most optimal and, and healthiest approach to use these compounds, but it seems that there's always a caveat somewhere, like even Prima Bolin, it's, it's, you know, it's not well studied. Nope. Not like that. And that's the, that new study that we talked about previously that who knows if that'll actually go anywhere, right? So they, they stumbled yeah. onto the two major things. It could literally just get shelved for another 20 years or never get looked at again, or it could become another drug. <laughs> you know, it depends who sees yeah. money in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with us, you can't really make money. We, uh, no. the bodybuilders, no, no, they don't care about us. Bodybuilders, no, the bodybuilders are mostly too broke to spend money. I mean, you might, like I, I talk about a lot of new novel compounds, right? And sometimes the researchers of these compounds actually reach out, like 5-amino-1-MQ, which is a nicotinamide-N-methyltransferase uh, inhibitor. Nicotinamide-N-methyltransferase yep. inhibitor. So it's, it has to do with the recycling of NAD+. Yep. So you can inhibit this, and then NAD plus levels are sustained mostly in adipose tissue. And it's such a novel compound, and it looks so promising. And one of the researchers... <laughs> reached out, it's like, these are the best videos ever. Why doesn't it get any views? I said, well, it's too new. Maybe 10 years from now, there was like, oh, Steve, Steve and the researchers were onto something, but it's, it's just so new that people have no idea what it is and, and even understand you know, the, the mechanism yeah. behind it. Like, I, I'm surprised that semiglutide and, and liraglutide got such a high adoption because I, I, me and uh, Colette Nelson were one of the few first ones to talk about it. Like, and, and Colette Nelson was really because she's very into diabetes stuff, right? She has diabetes herself. And she was like, oh, keep your eye on this because this is going to be a big thing. And she was right. I mean, now everybody's using it. And then terzepidite yeah. came out 
and now Reta True Tide, which is actually available now. Um, and I think that's going to put all the appetites of persons to shame. Yeah, and that's that area is growing, but yeah, yeah. the anabolic world is not really growing very yeah. large. It's and more it's because yeah, because they prescribe it for people with diabetes and, and yep. obesity. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so really, after after sorry. all your research, after all your research, I mean, you've been part of this game for such a long time. What would you say would be like with all the inf information we have currently? What would still be approved substances and compounds to use where you don't really have to worry about safety? Well, what's like, the dose? I mean, the dose is the poison, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, I, I would say, honestly, testosterone and growth hormone, I would consider to, to both be very safe, right? Mm -hmm. If you're using them wisely. Right. Even growth hormone in larger amounts doesn't really present that many problems, right? Unless you're already no, diabetic unless you or cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we use, so we use here for certain cancers, if it's not treatable and it's at the end stage, mm -hmm. we see, I, I know people that, are given it with lymphoma, things like that, if there's no hope, mm -hmm. you know? So at that point, oh, they're really? not really worried about it growing anymore. Mm. And we use it for HIV. Growth hormone prescribed just for, for overall quality of life at the end? Yeah, uh, we see wow. it in AIDS all the time. So there's still, you know, HIV. Yeah, not HIV, HIV needs, but there's still HIV here. And that's, uh, at least the state that I live in, that's really the primary use for it. You know, right. you can't really write it anymore for anything else, uh, chronic kidney mm -hmm. failure. And, yeah, and and it, it, idiopathic short stature, perhaps for kids. They do for children, yeah, but it's rare. I mean, yeah. you can have it written, but those doctors have. It would take you a year to actually see one of those doctors. They're so backed wow. up because I think they they're they're very cautious in mm. in how they prescribe these things, right? Because parents will try to use it as a performance enhancing tool for their kids, right? Because there's no <laughs> definition. What is technically? I'm short. Do I qualify yeah. for growth hormone? I mean, what I have when I was when I had you know bone plates that were still open, right. Um, so right, there's no actual definition, right? So it's kind of a vague thing. You know, you can't really write it at least where I am for health anymore. No, no, and I think they're trying to really pull back on the compounding pharmacies regarding anti-aging practices yep. because I don't think that growth hormone is particularly anti-aging. If anything, it might age you faster by shortening telomeres through yep. the cell proliferation. But it's a topical effect, so people feel and look better. Doesn't totally. mean they necessarily uh, yes, age backwards, point. right? Even though Brian Johnson is using a little bit of growth hormone, um, you know that that super anti-aging vampire guru guy. Yeah, uh, it's very interesting uh, things that he's trying to do. Like the, this is what I would do if you have unlimited money. <laughs> it's just hire a couple. Of, are you familiar with Brian Johnson, the blueprint guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he's just doing like all kinds of weird anti-aging stuff trying to reverse the biological clock. <laughs> and a lot of that is just topical, like he uses laser totally. therapy on his face to make him look better. And But he's also supplementing a little bit of testosterone, a little bit of growth hormone, but quite micro dosages. It's quite fascinating to see. Well, that's a lot. There's a lot of businessmen that do that here in the US too, just to stay mentally sharper. That's, that's more than that's testosterone, like 50, like the growth hormone. 50% of my business is the guys just want to exceed a little bit and you help yep. them you know, design like a hormone replacement therapy protocol test neurosteroids gh yep and then some goodies on top for libido and then everybody's happy go lucky you know and they can yep. perform like a 30 year old again exactly yeah, you, you back though right you use dha and pregnenolone yeah yeah not right now because i'm off everything well i added in a little bit of dha because my neurosteroid levels were just declining okay um so yeah dha atg and incrolex yeah i was okay, okay. fine oh incrolex uh, yeah that's yeah, not an easy 
No, no, my wallet is crying. I was um, gonna say. <laughs> that's a rare find. The only thing you see around is R3. Yeah, yeah. So uh, R3 I ran in the past, but Incolex yeah. is something entirely different. I mean, if you inject it locally, of course, it's going to leak into skeletal or into peripheral tissue, right? And then start binding to the binding proteins. Um, but if you inject it pre-workout, I mean, the nutrient partitioning and absorption is insane. Is it? Do you notice a big difference between that and LR3? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, I've tried various brands of LR3. Um, but yeah, even yeah, I ran a little bit of LR3 before, and then I added in the Incrolex to see what the difference was. And it's like you're on steroids. Yeah, I mean, I have I, muscle memory. Yeah, but still, I mean, there's got to be a reason why guys want Incrolux versus LR3. I've never been impressed yeah. with LR3. No, no. I mean, and, and the weird thing is, like, if you run like 500 micrograms in. Uh, IGF-1 LR3, it's more expensive than running 500 micrograms in Corlex, even if, when you pay an arm and a leg for it. Really? The problem is the bottles are like $700, let's say $700 uh, street value, right? Um, 40 milligrams. But 40 milligrams lasts you 80 days. Oh, is it that? you have okay. 500 micrograms. So when you do the calculation, you spend like $8.50 per day, which is two oh, IUs yeah. of growth hormone. But yeah. if you if you just shovel that money from two years growth hormone instead of six you take four and then you add in five hundred micrograms in Crolex, uh, assuming you don't have cancer, obviously I check my cancer markers regularly. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. just to play it safe, right? Very important. Yeah. And I've done my ultrasounds over the years, so yeah, I mean I, I feel that the, the results are stellar, you know. Yeah, and I guess it's really just a big cost up front, but technically, like you said, when you spread it out over the in the duration, long run, yeah, yeah. I, I bought well, I bought like four, and then I sold one to a buddy of mine, Aaron, and now I got five more coming. So I basically I ran through one almost, which I also gave him ten milligrams to try. So I I, I used maybe twenty five milligrams over the last wow. six weeks, and uh, I mean I feel I look like a bodybuilder, albeit that I haven't been on steroids for ten months. Wow! Why did you come yeah. off? To get my wife pregnant. Oh, there you go. I already have yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit late to the party, but if we wanted to be in like a certain financial position, yeah, no, I get that. Ready yeah, to, it, yeah. it makes a big difference. Yeah, that's what I heard. So, like, Paul Paul had kids a little bit earlier, right? And in his are like oh, man, teens, almost. Yeah, like minor. I have a I have an eight year old and a thirteen year old, so I'm kind of in the middle yeah. of that too. Yeah, yeah. It's so he wanted to be just just self-reliant and just make sure that everything was in place and then you know like two years ago we we're like you know what it's time but then you know situations in the in, yeah. the in the world so we waited a little bit and then last year i decided you know it come off and, and the, the funny thing is my fertility parameters came back beautifully after i'm sure 12 they years of steroids yeah steroids yeah so I, that's DNA a reflection of your general health right right, right. Exactly. like mine when i if i go to trt mine I, i'm fine on trt Right. Yeah. You your, your, your fertility parameters are also still good, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's. Did you know that Proviron and Halotestin were used as fertility aids in the 70s? I know Proviron was. Halotestin was? I know it doesn't shut down the HPTA. Hundreds of studies. On Halotestin. See, that's yeah, one drug like, that we don't really, I mean, it's still FDA approved in the US, it's just not used. Yeah. So it's, it's so weird. So I, I was going through like all the steroids regarding fertility and then Nandrolone, uh, yeah. Proviron, and Nandrolone shuts you down. So let's not go there. It's not yep. good for fertility. No. Proviron can actually improve fertility levels, and yep. Halotestin can improve fertility levels if you're subfertile. So that's below the World Health Organization. That's interesting. I didn't know that. 
Yeah. And then I, I documented that in the steroids versus fertility videos, which got no views because it's so niche. Oh, I'll shit. Yeah, you'll watch, of course. Very yeah. cool. So it's like it's like 50 minutes long going through all the scientific evidence. I cataloged it with the references and stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. I, I would definitely get an A plus if I no. presented that in school. Um, so I, I, you go through Provarin and fertility and testicular yep. function and spermatogenesis. And you're like, wait a minute, there's, there's like 50 studies on this shit. Oh, yeah. No, Provarin was heavily studied for it for a long time. Yeah. Right? The 70s it was even really big. And the funny thing is, you look, when you look at the medical insert of Provarin up to, I think, 83, 1983, yep. it was in there, and then they removed it. Yeah, it's not in the current one. I, I have no. the current one. Yeah, it's not in there. That's interesting. It's, but so that's, can, that's, this is why I like scientific evidence, because it's always uh, evolving, right? And it, you, <laughs> you can cherry pick scientific evidence so easily. You can just go back in time to some flawed study, and you're like, this is, this is the <laughs> yeah. truth. And then 20 years later, they're like, what the fuck did we do? You know, this is not <laughs> true at all. And they have to change their minds, you know? What was the dose on the halo testing? Uh, up to Low, five milligrams. Up to no, 30? Up 30 for one and a half years. Wow. That's a big dose for that yeah. time. I read I would all the studies. angry to have days. sex. No, you would have angry sex. That's the best Yeah, I was going to say very angry sex at 30 milligrams. <laughs> That would be so, yeah. I think some dosages are like 2.5 for like okay. three to six months, some five milligrams, whatever, even some some protocols of 30 milligrams for men who are azospermic, zero. Holy smokes! And then they get into like 22, 25, and then the outcome at the end of the study is like, um, six of the nine participants conceived within the window duration of the study, it's which amazing. was then six months to one year. And you're like, okay, that's good. Yeah, but it, all these studies are like sub 1980s. Yes. Oh, yeah. They stopped. It was like very early 80s is when they cut things off, right? And then they didn't really yeah. come back until Bazin brought testosterone back in the 90s. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and I think the Anabolic Control Act just kept getting updated. Yep. And then more and more stuff was, you know, and then now, of course, they added in the pro hormones. And I think SARMs are SARMs added? No, no. No, but they're sort of. Well, they're now, they're now outlawed now, but I, I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're going to be under that act or not. Right. Yeah, Same with growth hormone. Growth hormone is not technically a controlled substance in the U.S., but it's illegal to possess without a prescription. Ah. It's very odd. And it's a jail sentence, it's a mandatory jail sentence to sell without a prescription, but yet it's not controlled. Same, same as in Holland, right? You, you can't sell weed, but you can own it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, and in the, which funny in, in America, the growth hormone is just kept it's just kept in the refrigerator in the pharmacy. It's not locked with all the other drugs. So like it's, it's just there in the open. Any pharmacist uh -huh. can just take it. It's not, you know, testosterone's okay. you know, put away in a safe place and growth hormones in the fridge. Just really? Boxes of serostim just in the fridge. That's funny. So imagine yeah. if the, if the pharmacy gets raided, it would be like the first thing. Yeah. Cause it's high I'm value, you know, I mean, those kids <laughs> are married, mad expensive. Exactly. Right. <laughs> It's so funny. I went to the United States like last year, and the first thing I went to was CVS and Walgreens to see what I could get. And then, no. you know, you start out. No, you can't get it. The only no. thing I found was like the, the phenylephrine uh, cream, like the hemorrhoid yeah. cream, which yeah. which bodybuilders just use to kind of dry out yeah. their skin. I was like, okay, you can still find the preparation H. You could still find that. And uh, Benadryl. Yes, Benadryl. And uh, which, I actually, which I actually used on the way back because I had like a 24-hour flight. So I had one Benadryl and half a glass of wine. Yeah, it's terrible. That's a good sleep aid. Yep. Yeah, it's a, I was gone. Um, and what else did, did I find? Oh, yeah, that, that uh, Dex, 
the the cough syrup, cough med, the yep. blue stuff. Yep, that's still around. They're, yeah, I, so they're, they're out long all that stuff though. Shortly, oh, they will. Huh? It's pseudoephedrine yeah. and all this stuff is going to go away. Yeah, is bronchite still available? Because I, I couldn't is. find that at CVS. It is still yes, but if it stays, I don't know. Again, it's very mm. it's odd because so you have to go. It's behind the counter, and you have to show your driver's mm. license. They scan your ID so they can keep yeah. track of your purchases. If you purchase, uh, Paul and I joked about that um, yeah. the other day. We're, so we've both been flagged for it. We go to buy it, and we're like, no, sir, I'm sorry. You <laughs> oh, you're buying a better shit. <laughs> 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 really bad asthma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so That's I mean, they're, they're getting rid of all that stuff. That's a shame, my shit. Yeah, and it's weird here in Thailand. You can get anything in the pharmacy anything. besides ephedrine, besides ephedrine, because they use that to make uh, yeah. methamphetamines, yeah. and that's 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 like punishable by life sentence. No, not de wow. no death penalties here anymore. But yeah, if you if you're caught with yaba, it's a crazy drug. If you, they caught that shit in your system, so any me methamphetamine metabolite, you're fucked. Wow. Yeah. So you can go to the pharmacy here, test. Sure, growth hormone. Sure. Tramadol, no problem. Yeah, diazepam, no problem. Ephedrine, no, no, no. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> now they get they get scared to death when you ask them for ephedrine. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's why. Right of all those things, like that's that's where they're gonna kill yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because they they in, in Myanmar they have like meth labs where they make yaba. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, they have them here then, too somewhere. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge problem. Like if you yeah. ever come here and you take a taxi and the taxi guy's whistling and air punching and. Brushing his hair the whole time, then you know he's uh, he's had a rough night. <laughs> yeah. What, so you think? I, sorry. You think if you think eventually they'll take everything away in the U.S. They're trying. Guess it depends what happens with uh, with the government here, right? Well, a bit a little bit of luck, you'll get a different president who isn't so uh, anti-steroid. <laughs> but let's see. When, when is election time next year? Right. November. Oh, November this year. 24. Yeah. No, no. I'm sorry. Next year. Yes. Next year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I pray. I, I remember the last four years. I was like, oh, how the hell did this happen? You know, this is the guy that, that, you know, took in the anabolic control act and then, and, you know, made HCG illegal. So, I mean, shouldn't stay if you care no. about this kind of stuff. No, but he also doesn't care about crack, I guess. Right. No. Yeah. Too close That's to home. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> well, you're allowed that's to have weird. where I live. You're allowed to have insulin needles if it's for heroin, but you're not allowed to have insulin needles if it's for growth hormone. Was that state where they legalized everything? Oregon, Oregon, yeah, yeah. And that that's now turning into yeah. Well, you see what happens mess. when they do that. Yes. Yeah. That's so weird about like being an outsider. When you look at America, you have this this grandiose idea of the American dream, and then sometimes you see these documentaries in places where like drug addiction and homelessness. and And I show it to my wife, and of course, she grew up in a quote unquote third world country, right? Thailand is a third world country, and she looks at this and she's like, "What the fuck is going on? Is this America?" And I, when we arrived in LA, we we took a taxi, right, and you pass some of these homeless areas. Yeah. I've never seen anything like this right. in Thailand. No, no, the no. cities are bad. It's, it's it's and it's weird because it's supposed to be like the prime country, but you know these kinds of things things still happen in a, in the countryside of Thailand. It also happens. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like there's just a plenty of homelessness and and you know drunkards and people with no jobs and 
I think the worst amount of this I've seen was in Mongolia, in Ulaanbaatar, really? the capital. Yeah, like a lot of these yeah. farmers. Yeah, a lot of farmers. They have um, cattle, of course. Right? They they live in the countryside. There's about three million people there, three point something. And then once every couple of years, there's like a terrible winter, and all the cattle wow. just freeze to death. And so they come to the city for work, but there's not enough work for these people. So they turn into alcoholics. I think a bottle of Genghis Khan vodka is like two or three dollars. Um, yeah, it's very cheap vodka, and they all turn into alcoholics. So literally at the evening, it's like zombies. Or at least it was the case in, in, in 2010. Yeah. yeah. Insane. Yeah. That's why it's that's, good to travel. You see a little bit of the world. Yeah. <laughs> see what's going on. Right. So yeah. what, what's your plan? Like, are you in contest prep or, or what, this what are you doing? This is my off season. So I was mm -hmm. going to compete again next, probably August. Mm -hmm. So the next goal is year. to move up to uh, and, and, uh, next year. So um, the goal is to move up to open. Okay, right. So yeah, you were doing I'm, I'm a little before. too heavy for the classic. Yeah, I was classic. I yeah. did open years ago. I started in the 90s. I did bodybuilding when that's all there was. And I was right. never big enough. Um, the classic cutoff is is probably not attainable for me anymore. So we'll, we'll move right. there. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's why good. I, I hired, uh, that hired Paul hired to Paul. make me eat. All right. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're on the, the high carb protocol. Yeah, I, I'm on about 6,000 calories a day. Gross. Okay, fuck. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, ask him. You got it's some, gross. You got some insulin with that to help you with nutrient partitioning uh, and stuff? I don't need it. Oh, you don't need it? I don't need it. You'd be amazed. Oh, wow. You're a it's big gross. eater. You should come to Thailand. We could go to the buffet. Yeah. Like I Colton was so impressed yeah. that I could eat a mountain of food. But I mean, I used to be a big guy too. And I can still eat at that pace. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you just get like seven rounds of plates, you know, just the big ones, full. Oh, nice. And then they have they have like the the, the small plates for dessert, right? You like them? I get, I get <laughs> dinner plate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get two rounds of the dessert. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you have to yep. eat six thousand calories, and but and now you're two fifteen. Two uh, five foot seven, yeah. But my oh, body fat's okay. pretty low. I um, growth okay. test and and primo at the moment. Okay, I do, wow. I do not seem to gain any fat. So that's nice. Yeah. So I have five high days now, two medium days. My days I don't work out are just medium days, but the, Shit, and I, I, I wish I could get on all five days. I wish I could get you some Increlex. You'll put on like <laughs> 30 pounds. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate that all the guys that order it online now that when it arrives, it's completely denatured. Ah, uh, because it's so fragile in the transport, it seems. Yeah. That I feel like that happens to some of the GH pens too. That yeah, here. they're just junk. Yeah. You get here, yeah, the premix yeah. ones. You open it up and it's like cloudy oh. and like, yeah. There goes my two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, what well, and more depending where you're getting it from. More here. Yeah, you know, is it, is it a problem sourcing now with all the restrictions and? No, I mean, no, I mean, I've never seen a problem, but it's it, the prices are all over the place. I mean, yeah. like Seristim, like I use Seristim. Seristim. Mm -hmm goes from you know 300 bucks for a box all the way i've seen as high as 700 which is dumb yeah it's a lot of money that's a lot of money yeah, yeah. 700 bucks for a bottle of anchor legs okay because it's going to last you almost yes. three months yeah but not for a box okay, that no that, that you no, no. last through it in a couple of days <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> well they get it so the you get it the um the if you have hiv here it's free it's under medicaid so they get it for free and so they generally don't want yeah. it, so they just they want the money. 
So yeah, it's the same when I, when, when I got my first the Pfizer uh, or a genotropin from, uh, yep. from Pfizer in Germany. It was actually from H patients who didn't want it. Uh, yeah, so drive over to Germany and buy it from them. Yeah, they hang uh, outside the clinic. Yeah, you know, you go to well, a these were like in the, in the in the party scene. So you, oh. you, you meet people that way, and then Holland has one of the biggest exports uh, MDMA. Um, so yep. you put two and two together, and then you make a trade. There you go. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days, man. Yeah. The Statue yeah. of Limitations. I hope it applies to Europeans. Also. <laughs> it definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, as long uh, as you don't use the Yeah. I think that was in, man, it must have been like over 10 years ago, 12 years ago. It's a long time since it's I met those time. people. Yeah. Yeah. A long time. Hey, hold that thought. I got to go to the bathroom real quick and then yeah. we'll uh, continue. My dad was a surgeon for a long time. And uh, in the 80s and 90s, they one surgeon did the surgery and you couldn't leave. It wasn't like today they swap out. Oh, right. Um, so he would stand sometimes for 16 hours without peeing. It destroys your kidneys. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. That's and true. So, so he what he developed high blood pressure from damaging his kidneys, saving other people's lives. <sighs> Pretty shitty. Right? He, uh, he's doing dialysis? Like no, 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 not, no, he just, no, I just, it's managed now, but I'm just saying it's funny, like right. these, you know, they literally dedicate their lives to saving other people and they're causing harm to themselves. Yeah. So, man, it's so hard. That's it's 16 hour surgeries. And you so, can't just I even mean, leave. Yeah. Of course, if you have a pee break, you need to wash everything again, right? Yeah. So no, and you got longer. double gloves on and yeah, you can't touch anything. So and there's so no we, nurse, nurse there that goes under the table and just helps you relieve yourself. No, I think there's probably lawsuits there. <laughs> It's like Bill Clinton. I forget. I forget. Like in Thailand, it would probably work, but in America, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Said lawsuit. <laughs> You're here. A lot of stuff happens under the table. Yeah, I'm sure. You're not. Well, it happens here. It's just not supposed to happen here. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Ask Ask Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. There's a funny meme of a picture of him sitting at his desk, and it says, "Younger people don't know that there's two people in this picture." <laughs> Oh my God, I remember when that scandal came out. You're yep. like, oh, wait a minute, this guy's enjoying how, himself. Yeah. How old, how old are you now? 40. Okay. I'm four, yeah. be 48. Yeah. Yeah, we're on the old, old uh, yeah. crew now, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, I remember when life was a lot simpler back in the day when we could just go to the steroid forums and read the, the anabolics edition. And you're like, oh yeah, that's a, a test Debo kickstart. Yep. Yeah, it makes oh, sense. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> test ND ball together, right? Because that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Love now, my honestly, yeah, but people people still do it. They do. I know. I know lots of guys. I know guys that run it. Will run eight weeks of it and then take two weeks off and run it again. Grown men. Yeah, no, they don't understand why they need to keep staying on it because they lose all the sizes in those two weeks that come <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, right. And it's not real size either, you know. No, it's, it's junk. Puff, puff, puff and fullness. Yeah. Gross. That's uh, did you? That's did you a, Sorry. Did you ever dive into the sexual unbinding globulin and the receptor Yeah, complex? we did some stuff. Yeah. I mean, we did a really kooky video with Todd. I don't know if you watched that mm. one. I think um, I did. Yeah. But it's been a while. Yeah. That was not a, that was kind of a, that we had a young guy on that um, proposed some mm. odd theories about it. I don't fully agree with. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I think this, I, I think it's an interesting thing. I think most people focus on like the minute de details though. Right. Yeah. Right. I feel yeah. like if most guys would just eat right, train right, and use an appropriate mm -hmm. amount of gear, they'd probably make great progress. Right. You know. Yeah, it's, I just find it funny about the, the SHBG is that when you go through the scientific literature in the beginning, people say that it holds the androgens hostage. Then a couple of years later, <laughs> not, wait not a minute, really, there's yeah. an SH, 
Yeah, the SHBG actually delivers androgens yes. to the tissue. And has its own like receptor. Yeah. yeah. As it, and then later on, it's a receptor complex that actually attaches, but yes. androgens can't bind to SHBG when it's attached to the sexual hormone globulin. And then yep. five years later, it can bind and, to the SHBG. Yeah, exactly. And increase cyclic adenosine monophosphate yep. concentrations and, and act as a cofactor in androgen mediated gene transcription. And then, then 10 years is nothing. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, and if you, if you, if you bottom it out too, you just excrete all your hormones. Yeah. 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 And it, because it weakly binds to albumin. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I always tell people just at least keep it sustained, but it's very difficult to do on cycle yeah. because androgen lowered it. Growth hormone lowers it. Yeah. Um, IGF-1 to a certain extent, but insulin mostly lowers it. Yeah. And the only thing that brings it up is thyroid medication and, and serms, but yeah. it's not very sustainable. No. Right. no. So, so my, you know, most of my cycles usually involve around a little bit of T4 and sometimes T3. Interesting. Oh, yeah, with GH so makes elevated. sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys don't understand that, right? Because that, that conversion is what's going to allow the IGF to happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't yeah. deplete T3. It's depleting the source of the, at T4. It's depleting the T4, the DI denase enzyme yeah. activity goes up. Yeah. And then of course, if you don't supplement with T4, your T3 levels also deplete. Well, and then the whole thing kind of falls, well, falls apart. Yeah, and then the That's GH is wasted. Yeah, and then the GH is wasted also because you need the nutrient partitioning alongside of it, you know? And, and of yeah. course, if, if your thyroid hormones are low, then then really the free form fatty acids are going to be problematic for your insulin sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny, right? But Because you want to go on cycle, but people don't realize that you can't just run tests in GH. You have to run tests, neurosteroids, maybe yep. some thyroid meds, and then look into some of the other ancillaries to kind of keep everything together. So the, if you really want results, you're on like seven to eight compounds. Yep. I started Which... backfilling with the DHEA and the Pregnalone because of you. Not really. Okay. Years ago when you started talking about it. it because yeah. it's, in the medical community, it's not really understood. Do you really need it? Well, no, I don't know. The, I know like the difference. Four people talking about it: me, Dave Lee, uh, Ray Pete, and another guy. And uh, and Dave Lee did a great series on it on um, what is that? Uh, the the TRT optimization channel. Yep. It's like one and a half hours of content, which uh, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's very very good. And um, yeah, but nobody talks about it. So I, I I think I was one of the first to really brought bring it to the masses. Like, wait a minute, your HPTA shut down, adrenal gland function kind of ceases, right? You'll still have a little bit of DHA and pregnant alone, uh, but it's not enough. No, and, and and most doctors, at least here, don't understand what it does, so they they don't bother with it. Yeah, so it helps with the androgen receptor pro production besides testosterone, right? DHA yeah. and pregnant alone help with androgen receptor production which makes logical sense because testosterone, if it binds to the androgen receptors, it's actually two, right? They interlock. Yep. So now you lose two androgen receptors for every testosterone molecule. I mean, it would make logical sense that the genome would give you some androgen receptors back. You think, right? <laughs> yeah, you would think, oh, they deplete and now I can't make any gain. Yes. Um, so, so I, and this is how androgen receptor expression just goes up. You, the more androgens you take, the more androgen receptors yep. you get. Yeah. And DHA bring alone. Yeah, regulated that. And then DHA helps with, uh, uh, what is it, glycogen synthesis and, and yeah, all uh, sorts insulin of sensitivity. It's it's hilarious, you know? So a lot of people have all these problems on cycle and you just throw them in the DHA and pregnenolone and they come That's back an hour later. I thought, I thought this is for elderly. I said, no, just trust me. No, 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 yeah. But it and, and everything improves. <laughs> well, your mood, I, I noticed mood-wise too. It makes a big difference. Yeah. yeah, it makes a big difference, yeah.
Yeah. And a cognition and productivity. Yeah. And of course, you know, if you're doing a lot of research like you and me, then yeah, you need it. It's, it's yeah. basically mandatory, you know? And of course, yeah, they try to block. They, yeah, they, they banned it here now in Thailand. So I have they to really? Like a ship. Yeah, you have to use a shipping forwarder to, uh, or at least iHerb and, and Amazon, they don't ship here directly. Oh, wow. So See, that's like yeah. one of the few things you can buy that's over the counter here. Amazon, you yeah. go to store and buy DHA. Now, the quality of the purity, I don't know, but you know, you can get it anywhere. Yeah, most of natural and some of these yeah, they're all brands, it's, they're fine. So it's all fine, you know, and yeah. you just take the lozenges or the, or the oral version. Yeah. Personally, I don't really see that much difference in serum concentrations, whether that's sublingual or uh, oral. No. Um, even though I think the intestinal tract has aromatized enzymes as well. Yeah. Um, and and 17 hydroxy diogenase, but I'm not sure if DHA goes through that. That's why there's some of the oral steroids are metabolized differently yes, when you take it. It should. It should. DHA should go through that. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, uh, yeah. So, so well, it's good to see that you also learned something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <From my channel. laughs> yeah, that's great. That's good. That's, that's funny. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's, it's one of those missing things that now a lot of people incorporate and they're, they're not everybody gets a good response from DHA and pregnant alone, but most people do. And of course it adds more bulk to your cycle, but ultimately the results are 10 times better. Yeah. But I mean, do you really, do you count that as milligrams toward a cycle? I look at it more like the take... vitamin, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't count it. Toward yeah. Androgen yeah, it's kind of like vitamin D3, really, right? Really doing yeah. that, you know. Should call it vitamin DHEA. Then it exactly. will make more sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just group it with things like fish oil that you just need to take. You know, it's not right. really an option, right? If you want your brain to work. Right, exactly. And when you look at Tatka, for example, I mean, yeah. that's kind of steroidal also. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but again, the molecules, you like, Yeah, you don't count that. That's 500 milligrams. Oh. I mean, you, you take a gram of Tutka per day and you look at the molecule and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Even more of this shit in my body. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so how much are you involved with the molecules like in, in, your, in your line of work? Are you constantly into the molecules and then just seeing, you know, how, how those things affect the body or? Like, yeah, uh, and also and altering things. So um, mm -hmm. I had a project where we were altering, um, so Tremblone's still using cattle here. So a project yeah. where I was altering um, we could talk offline more specific details, but like altering sure. uh, that product, mm -hmm. you know, to make it more efficient, work better. Sometimes it's really uh, obvious stuff and sometimes it's not so obvious. So as you get more affinity for the androgen receptor or more blockade yeah. of yep. the corticosteroid no, uh, receptor? AR, more AR affinity. Okay. And, and I don't know if you saw the one we talked about, um, prolactin actually increases the AR affinity as well. Right. Or that's one of the reasons why it's assumed that Tremblone binds more firmly is because of the prolactin increase and the T and the T3 oh, decrease. I can, and that actually might aid in the hair loss from Tremblone as well. Cause yeah, there's right. a on hair. Um, the same with the T3 drop. I mean, in cattle, it's to help them uh, use more food versus oxidize it all. Right. Right. If your you, you say that the prolactin acts as a, as a cofactor or so some sort yep. of regulator of androgen receptor sensitivity. It increases. Yeah. It increases the binding. Oh crap. I gotta, I gotta do some more. I'll send, I'll send you stuff. Yeah, because I mean, everybody knows that, of course, prolactin kind of downregulates your libido yep. and can potentially cause gyno. Um, but if it helps with results, and it's a fine line. Yeah, you don't want to. It's a fine that. line, right? Yeah, yeah. So are we talking like middle of the reference range or top yeah. of the reference yeah. range yeah. or four it's times out of it? 
No, I a top of the reference range at at the most. I wouldn't take it out of the reference range just to take it out mm -hmm. for binding. Um, but I mean, the, and how many times have you even seen elevated prolactin in labs? It's not very common. Usually, it's estrogen screwing people up. Yeah, it's the estrogen and, and a progestogenic nineteen or prolactin yeah. is, is elevated, but being asked but, but from the estrogen, I'm also. Basically. I'm from the estrogen, right? Yeah. And then they're also smoking weed to take yep. the job oh, yeah. trend. And then the libido's completely shot, right? <laughs> so yeah, you got all the, all the, all the down-regulating hormones high, and then also the suppressive yes. effect of the weed. Yep. And they're like, why can't I get hard? So, stop smoking weed. Yeah, stop smoking. Oh, and take the train out also, so you don't have to take the edge off. This is nothing yeah, to yeah, take yeah. the edge off from. <laughs> no, exactly right. Yeah, maybe don't use trend. Right, yeah, yeah. But it's difficult to get it through to the kids, you know. <laughs> no, they, so they prolact prolactin increases androgen receptor sensitivity. Fuck, this is new to me. Maybe I should take the vitamin B six B five P out. I don't know where you're or, or the dope. I can't. Remember. I think the last time was like eleven, so middle oh, of the range. Yeah, yeah. So you so, have so, a pretty so, high. I've seen people. I've seen people with uh, you know non cancerous tumors that are have pretty high prolactin you've got to be pretty high before you get a side effect from it yeah 40 50 you know a lot of guys yeah. use growth hormone secretagogues because it's yep. easier to get and, and and supposedly cheaper yeah um and then you see their prolactin levels like 40 50. Oof, yeah Christ. Just take no, some growth hormone. yeah and the weird thing is like prolactin and growth hormone they they interact with the same receptors you know yes yeah they're very closely related yeah and some guys so, get prolactin so sides from growth hormone yeah it's rare, but I've seen it. That. Yeah, it's rare. Yeah, but it happens. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the funny thing is like uh, insulin, like uh, insulin, like uh, growth factor one. Of course, very similar to the insulin, right? Then they interact for each other's receptors. What was it? Ten percent binding affinity yep. on paper, and and then a prolactin growth hormone interact with each other's receptors as well. Yep. And the, we talked yeah. about that previously before the video about the mm -hmm. IGF binding to the insulin receptor on adipose tissue. Right, so that oh, you're right, not yeah. store as much fat. So that that might be one of the effects, right? Because in theory, when you take growth hormone, right, the fat loss is capped at like 1.7 for a guy your size, right? Yeah. But yet, if you, yeah. took, so, if you took six units or eight units or 20 units, you notice the fat loss continues, right? Right. And mm -hmm. it's most likely through that effect, not so much direct HGH effect, uh, you know, on fat loss, because you right, you've right. way right. gone way over where that occurs. Right. So you got a little bit of hormone sensitive lipase activity, yep. right, for the fat loss. And then blocking the insulin receptor through IGF-1 is yeah. actually how the fat loss continues. That's that's what I would say, yes. Yeah, okay. And then you hammer the beta-2 adrenergic receptor yep. on top of that, and then you're good to go, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Put some clenin there. God yeah, damn. as long as it's not ephedrine, though, right? Cause yeah, yeah ephedrine, like blocking the alpha-2 and activating the beta-2, that's yep. not a good idea. Most people feel absolutely horrible doing that. Um, of your or go him bind and ephedrine together. That was that was a combination. I'm not. I'm not a fan of that at all. No, go him bind makes me feel horrible. Yeah, it's weird. I like go him bind solo, but then as soon as I combine yeah, it with no, something right. else, no, like three horrible. milligrams before fasted cardio, that's totally fine. Now, now we we discussed earlier about like this delayed response between lipolysis and and growth hormone administrations, and somebody stumped me on the vigorous Q and A. Said, yeah, but Kurt said. Oh boy. It takes a couple hours for growth hormone to potentiate fat loss to a maximum extent. So taking growth hormone before fast cardio and then doing fast cardio has no fucking effect. So what's the story behind this? It just there's generally a three hour, you know, absorption 
before, you know, mm. if you inject, it takes about three hours to reach, you know, max blood level. So if you were to inject right. immediately and then go to fast cardio, you're just, you're missing the window. Ah, right, right, right. But if you do intramuscular administrations, would that yeah, yield faster life policies? A little bit, but I think yeah. if, if you just injected at night before you went to bed, mm -hmm. you'd still, you'd still have elevated, you know, levels and fast cardio would be fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've always done it before fast cardio, but now I have to go back into PubMed to yeah. <laughs> see should. if this was correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say if, I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll send you my book. I have all 500 growth hormone studies in there. Oh shit. So it'll okay. Save, it'll save you a lot of time. Save, yeah. Save me a lot of time because chat GPT doesn't index no. and, re and no. research. Properly, no, mine's you know, mine in order. So you can just scroll, you can click okay. on the link and stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Much appreciated. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading it. I have my own insulin and growth hormone ebook, but it's mostly for practical application okay. on when to do what. And, uh, I didn't include any ref references because okay. I just purely wrote it out of personal experience and I didn't want to cherry pick studies to, you know, kind of prove my point, but I'm, yeah. I'm up for, I'm due for an update on these, these yeah. things, but I'll probably just make videos about it. So, yeah. I, the, um, I, and I, I went, I just did the other angle, right? I said, I started it with school and then mm -hmm. all was like, you should sell this. But the other thing is I, I, and the same with my content online, I just try to avoid telling people the doses and, and how to use things, mm -hmm. you know, at least here, not such a wise idea. No, I know. I talked with the Dr. Scott Stevenson about this. Also, he doesn't give like, like practical application and yeah, dosing advice because he's scared, but like, you know, like you're, you're, you're studying to be a doctor, right? And yep. then he's a doctor. Um, so you have a medical license to lose. Um, well, yeah. And, but right, I, and but you I, can't. I, I, I can't lose my uh, no, bachelor degree of uh, <laughs> computer science. Yes. <laughs> you're right, you're right. <laughs> when it also just becomes a, a thing, right? You don't, the last thing you want to do is harm someone. If you just give generic, yeah, you know, advice. But, you know, like the, even if the information is as good as you can be, in the end, you never know how it's going to be interpreted and received. And I, I see more people making mistakes with information and advice that I would never give. They get it somewhere else or they come to their own conclusions and then try to reel them back in. That, so I, what, what I usually do in my videos is I try to you know, explain the mechanics behind it and then give some sort of recommendation regarding dosages. But I also try to inspire people to start learning more, which not everybody does, no, obviously. Most people don't. No, which is unfortunate, but you know, then through getting your hands dirty and getting some side effects, then you realize like, you know what, if I do a little bit more research, then, um, then maybe Steve was right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, but we all do that, right? We all do dumb things when we first start and then you're miserable Absolutely. and I still, not sleeping I still do and... dumb things. I love it. That's, I love half yeah. the experimentation. And then sometimes the scientific evidence isn't really there. Like, like no. for example, you have terzepidite, right? That's the yep. new GLP-1 and, and uh, GIP drug. And then I looked into the scientific literature and activating the gastric inhibitory polypeptide receptor on adipose tissue um, makes fat go in and out. So it's basically opening the key, similar to insulin, but it can also um, promote or improve lipolysis. Process, yep. So I figured, wait a minute, glucagon does the same thing. And it, it, it liberates adipose mm -hmm. tissue from, or, or triglycerides yep. and, and glucose from, from storing tissue. Oh, yep. So I combined GLP-1 with GIP in the form of terzepidite oh. and a little bit of glucagon. Okay. I ran the experiment. I got phenomenal fat loss. And now a product like this is coming to market. <laughs> of course. 
no yeah, money to not, you not for because, it. Not because I talked about it. It was well, you already never know. in development. You never know. No, no, no. It was already under development. Okay. But I, so I came to the same conclusion as the people wanting to make a product about it through their own, because this, this information wasn't there when I ran the experiment. They, they were going to produce this compound, but they didn't include which it contained, what it contained. So I came to this conclusion based on the research, and they did the same thing. I ran the experiment. I got phenomenal fat loss. I made a video about it, and now it's available. <laughs> so this yeah. is this is what I like by by this community. Like I'm I'm just you know I piece together in my brain with basic biology. I'm like this makes sense. Let's give it a try, and then other people feel you know come to the same conclusion. Of course, they're big pharma, so they can do the research and the clinical trials, and then now, now they have a product. Um, so this is this is why I like this kind of stuff sometimes. Yeah, you just do the experiment, total bro science, then maybe later on it will be proven. Totally, the product or scientific literature. Yeah, just a shame that you know when you're ahead of the the curve, most people don't really appreciate it yet. No, I but I think people appreciate that you're ahead of the curve on most things. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I make stupid, do stupid <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's part part of the game, right? I delete the video and move on. Yeah, it's, well, you can't do that. They'll, they'll upload it somewhere else, unfortunately. <laughs> this, is, this is YouTube. So uh, when are you going to start your own channel, man? I mean, you have so much knowledge. I, we're are... doing that. It's in the works now. My wife is working mm -hmm. on um, the, the back-end stuff for me. Right. She's the one who makes my stuff look pretty. Yeah, you, you need a wife to make you look pretty. That's what Yeah, but she made my also. website. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's the best no. thing, man. I mean, if you, if you can get her on board, like my wife's been part of, you know, the vigorous crew since the beginning. Yeah, so my wife did a salary for me. Yeah. I made her a salary out of the, the, the money that I make from YouTube and stuff. And um, and then she just saves me so much time because, you know, for guys like us, it's better just if you focus on research and then producing. Yes. Yeah, I don't have the time. little things that are, that are little shit that revolves around. And you're still act actively going to school, right? Yes. So how, how, how much longer do you have on, uh, on that? Uh, it'll take about four and a half years left. Oh, shit. It's long. And then if I wanted to practice, then I would have a, uh, a residency. residency and a fellowship. And then in this state, it uh, also requires two years practicing as a general practitioner. So I'd be in my 60s. So that's not going to happen. Um, oh, man. I would just keep it. Yeah. You know, I, I honestly, the point at this time, I think, is just to help us, to help mm -hmm. the community at this point. I don't, though, you know, right. and, and random pharmaceutical stuff, but I don't think it really has, I, I don't really see it as a career. I enjoy being self employed and coaching and actually. Right. Helping people that want to be helped instead of helping sick people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and of course, if you can, it's basically like you go to um, work for somebody else for five years and you pick apart the business, right? And you find all the mistakes and all the things that did wrong, and then you go self-employed and you're like, "Fuck this!" Yep. I know a way better approach. Yep. Right? You're doing the same thing. You're learning as much as you can from this, you know, avenue yep. of, of university, and then you just pick what you like for the community. And, exactly. and well, I mean, you've talked with Paul and you talk with me, and yep. I'm sure there's. You know, there's plenty of space for everybody out there, but yeah, YouTube can be quite lucrative. Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. No, and I, I love it. I think Paul oh, and I are recording a video later today. Oh, another one. Oh, you're yeah. busy. Yeah. One on, uh, on, on dietary fat. Dietary fat. Yeah. Uh, give, give me the scoop. This podcast will release probably later than Paul's. So what is, what is Eclipse? No, we're just, it, I'm just going over the whole, the whole process that the human body does with fat from oh, okay. digestion to, I just, I, I think sometimes we have to back up and explain things in more the biology, terms. right? Yeah. It just, yeah. I, because a lot of people don't have the knowledge, like, like mm -hmm. you have of these things and they just don't understand. Like when I eat butter, where does it go? Yeah. Right. 
And so I'm just going over from mouth to, you know, storage to synthesis from other things to uh -huh. uh, how, why certain, why fats are saturated, why they're unsaturated, what, what the difference is, what's a trans fat. Right. And then mm -hmm. why the essential fatty acids are the essential fatty acids. And then what the difference between like DHA and EPA are. Right. You know, Good. I don't think it's, it's nothing groundbreaking. I think it's more just a foundational thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we're yeah, trying to do like as an educator, you'll, you'll, you'll start to realize that is that it's very hard to get like in a concise way to get your message across where people can also make it actionable because that's, that's the content that they want from us. They, how much milligrams do it take? basically i know they don't and <laughs> that's Pato, what they want to know and, and, then, and they you got to put them on the side of the class is it okay well let's do the basic biology first so you understand why yep. and how and, and then we get to the know, dose but, and then you get to the dose right and then you, the, you have the timestamps that are an overview of yep. the protocol and, and then, then you see your over. audience retention goes like this and then suddenly up, up. at the dosing <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah. But what can you do, man? I mean, it's, um, yeah, but there's plenty of people out there who love this kind of long content um, yeah. because everybody was hammering, like, get Kurt on, get Kurt on, get Kurt on. Oh, yeah. Everything? You should, yeah, dude. Yeah, they like wow. your shit. Flattered. Wow. Yeah. The, uh, no, I mean, it's Dr. Todd always tells me, you know, and he, he's similar to us. He always tells me mm -hmm. that I think bottom up versus average people, and you're bottom up as well. Most people think yeah. top down, right? So most people say, I want another milligram. And then mm -hmm. maybe I want to learn how it works, but I'm not really sure. No. Whereas like you and I will think we go over the biology, right? And then we'll eventually mm -hmm. get to that part. And he said, the problem is it does, it gets lost in translation sometimes with normal people. Like you said, you'll, the views will go down and then go back up and you yeah. get to Yeah. It, it's and you can't please everybody, you know, and then no. especially if it's some of the, the things you want to explain for like 40 minutes, which it should be sometimes like when yep. you go into really novel new stuff, I, I have like videos, it's like four parts and then I get to the, you know, and then I look back at it and it's, I, I wish I had this when I was 18. I would have I loved know. this shit, you know, back I then know. I loved this shit too, but nobody watches. <laughs> no. <laughs> and and I'm wondering, like, why don't I have a hundred thousand subscribers? It's why I, I, I procrastinate until I get to the dose. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but for guys like us, I mean, I think like Mad Medicine, right? That guy, the he has like forty minute videos, and I can just sit through them, like, and I just watch the entire thing. It's like a deep dive on androgen receptors and yep. and, and clomiphene monotherapy. Yep. It's it's pure fucking gold, right? And he just yep. talks. Because he knows the subject intimately, and then some overlays, nothing fancy, you know. But it's like it's just a basic lecture that we, you would get at school, uh, like a half-ass prepared PowerPoint. Yeah. But it gets the job done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you lose like ninety percent of yeah, other totally. people. No one cares. No one cares. <laughs> no, nobody gives a shit, dude. No. It's. A well, I mean, and you know, when you're reading, I mean, half the time I'm reading this stuff and I'm falling asleep while I'm reading it. Right? You end up reading the same thing three yeah. times over. Uh, no, I'm usually full with nootropics when I do okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't tell you how many, like writing the growth hormone book, how many times I, I nodded out trying to read, trying to yeah, well, yeah, 500 studies to go through. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's yeah. a lot. Oh man. I'm trying to memorize that because like the problem is if you go through PubMed, of course you have like the history, right? So it's yeah. uh, all the links that you clicked are like purple, yeah. but sometimes that resets when you do a lot of research and they end up reading the same study three times. Yep. And you just start doing the citations and you look for duplicates and you're like, I know it's horrible. <laughs> I have three computers open at the same time and my phone. So I would go back and forth between the three of them looking at stuff and cross. Oh no. Stuff. 
You should right. only do that if you're trading trading stock in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> no, because <laughs> I make a lot more money on the same links over and over again. Mm. No, it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then of course, like like if you really put in the work, the there's very there's not enough intelligent people out there to really appreciate, which is a shame. Well, um, a hopefully shame. we can change that. Uh, it is changing. Yeah. Are you coming to the Olympia or Swiss by any chance? I I'm, I was planning on Swiss. Yes. Yeah, Next year, okay. I will definitely be at all of them. You're going to be at Swiss? Yeah, I'll be at Swiss. I have like a 15-minute uh, presentation and uh, about uh, synthetic carrier oils and uh, okay. propylene glycol, yeah, ethioconanolone. I have one of these testosterone yep. metabolites. They thought induced fever, but it's actually the, 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 the fucking carrier oil that they used in the exactly. 60s. <laughs> yeah. They, they use propylene glycol. And then you yes. look at like 30 years later, propylene glycol is now banned from all medical... Yeah. fields because kids got like anaphylactic shock yes i see it uh it's used in chemotherapy still and you see people after oh, no. they've gone through it it causes a lot of like long-term effects they uh the propylene glycol is part of uh, mercera which is um yeah. erythropoietin and they have yeah. this long acting um and, and people get inflammation from the chin yeah. also yeah yeah it's, it's in yeah. every i don't know in thailand in the u.s it's in everything if it says natural here, flavoring it's in it's in there here they somehow got ethyl oleate approved as a carrier oil really yeah wow that's yeah, a unigen oh yeah you know that that's glycol ethyl oleate oh, it's, okay. it's, it's yeah glycol is the one that they use in the western world for injectable anadrol and, and serums okay. and shit no, so here Unigen that that FDA approved uh, a brand here, which is like a, a branch of Genesis. They use ethyl oleate, and somehow they got it approved. And then four other Thai brands started using it: uh, March and uh, uh, Meridian. They produce Testolic and Cipionax, and it's all in ethyl oleate. And a lot of people get terrible systemic inflammation from it. Yeah, terrible. But Arachis oil also causes inflammation. Yeah. And guess what? Trimbolone was produced in. Yeah. Parabolin. Yeah. Yeah. Arachis they didn't oil. know. They didn't know back then. No, they didn't know. But so, so I always say the trembolone was always shit. Yeah. It was always highly inflammatory. <laughs> Even the parabolin, yeah. you know. That's why half of these guys felt like, oh, this is so strong. No, it's like it's <laughs> yeah. fluid. It's coming up after the injection. Like, oh, this is working great. Oh, it's like the carrier oil. Yeah, <laughs> two amps a week is all I needed. <laughs> it's yeah, 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 yeah. You feel mad, inflamed. Yeah. So, yeah. so this, this is what the presentation will be about. Okay. Uh, because I'm intimate, intimately familiar. So I'll see you at Swiss, and then you'll see you'll meet a lot of people that have been watching yeah. Todd and Paul and, and this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Like, okay, I got to get my ass on YouTube because uh, no, I, the find, I there. need to be on there like now. Yeah, yeah, you should. I'll send you a clip. You can post this this part right away. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Cool, man. Hey, thanks for thanks so much for coming on. I'd love Absolutely. to talk to you again in the future. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll I'll see you in about one and a half weeks. Yep. And then uh, we can size up. That's roast <laughs> i'm yeah. 200 pounds now so everybody's especially especially chase he's gonna dwarf me to shit oh, I'm sure. big. how tall are you uh five nine okay yeah five nine yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be right right in the middle and then everybody's like oh, that's paul's, big. paul's tall as hell yeah he's big yeah and tall, tall i think todd is like five nine also no he's shorter than me i think he's five four. Oh, he's five four He's little, yeah. Oh my god, that's why he has this accent. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask him uh, next time. Uh, why, why don't you come on? Why don't you come on the, the weekend anabolic uh, bodybuilding podcast on uh, Saturday? 
I never see you there. Oh, I should. I haven't been asked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what Paul does. He only sends the bros, and then he does it. And I said, when can I come on? See, I didn't know you want to come on. <laughs> he sent me a link. Oh, I'll come. I'll come. I talk to him every day. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess I'll see you Saturday there. Yeah. Oh, no, Saturday yeah, I'll, be in, I'll be in China, so I'll see you at Swiss. Yeah, I'll see yeah, you there. Absolutely. Okay, so where can people find you? Uh, AtomicLifeCoaching.com is okay. my website, and uh, cool. Kurt.Havens on Instagram. And what's the YouTube going to be? I don't know yet. That's a, hopefully something related to Atomic Life Coaching. We will see. Atomic Kurt. Yeah, Sounds we can good. do that. There you go. Yeah, Atomic Kurt. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, guys, I'll link it down below in case you want to follow cool. Kurt. Give him, a, give him a follow because he's up and coming, a lot of cool content coming. So um, I'd love to talk to you again soon, and I'll see you at yeah. Swiss, buddy. Thanks Absolutely. Thanks so for coming on. Thank you. Cool. Take care. Take care.